Praise God. You folks have been more of an encouragement to me than I can tell you. As a matter of fact, I, we have been in almost 400 uh, independent Baptist churches in 23 years of traveling. There's some churches who we've gone back to, some churches they only wanted us one time. One time was enough. Never got invited back. But almost 400. And I have to say this is one of the friendliest churches and this is one of the most encouraging churches and I appreciate that very much. You know, I preach a message sometimes called the ministry of encouragement. It is a ministry just to go through life encouraging people, encouraging the children of God. One famous preacher used to have a radio broadcast and every time he'd go off the air he'd say, hey, be nice to everybody because everybody's having a hard time. <laughs> and we need to, to be encouragers and you folks are, you have... You have that gift of encouragement, and I want to say to you, preacher, you've been an encouragement to me. You really have. He, he just, he's an encouraging man. He's a happy man. I don't know how many times I've heard him just laugh, just laugh and laugh, and I, I believe he's got the joy of the Lord that we preached about, but you really have been an encouragement to me, and Miss Dana, you've been an encouragement. They're just a wonderful couple, and so many of you have. I won't try to name names. But uh, I, I, I just thank you for that. And <clears throat> as a preacher, I'll tell you, preachers need encouragement. Can I tell you, your pastor needs encouragement. Sometimes you don't realize your pastor may get up here and he's walking through a valley. <laughs> or he may be in a storm. It may be under a satanic attack. And you, you may not, you know, preachers get up and they smile and they have a good word and they say everything's all right in my father's house, but sometimes you don't know what they may be feeling on the inside. I know I've got up and preached before when I felt like doing anything else in the world than preaching. <laughs> I'd rather been sitting at home on my couch watching Andy Griffith or something, but I, I just, I just didn't, didn't have it in me. I and, but yet you get up and then the Spirit of God comes and He takes over and that's when it's wonderful but it sure is a blessing uh, for God's people to, to be an encouragement. Every now and then, you know, you just ought to slip a note or a card to your pastor and his wife and just let them know how much you appreciate them. Every now and then you ought to have them over to the house and for a big old fried chicken dinner. You know, fried chicken, milk gravy, mashed potatoes, homemade biscuits chocolate pie sweet tea and just have them over some some of those green beans like we had the other night and just have them over and you know just let them just love on them a little bit and show them the love of God I've got this book it's back there on the table uh, have you ever heard of the New York Times bestseller list this is on the New York Times worst seller list uh, not very many people buy this book and you know, a man warned me. He said, I don't know if that's a good title, Daniel's Window. They say, who, Daniel who? What, what, what is it talking about? But it's talking about the Daniel in the Bible, Daniel in the lion's den, the one who went in there and came back out. And he prayed by an open window, and that window was open to Jerusalem. And he prayed for his nation. In Daniel chapter 9, you'll find, I think, I think probably the most, uh, maybe the most God-blessed prayer that you'll find in the Bible other than what Jesus himself prayed. But you won't find a prayer anywhere like this one in Daniel chapter 9. Before he could say amen, an angel was standing beside him. You can read it in Daniel chapter 9. An angel was standing there 
saying, oh, oh man, greatly beloved, your prayer has been heard. It was Gabriel, the archangel, that came before he got done speaking. And so what a prayer it is, and he was praying for his nation. That's what he was doing, and we need to pray for our nation. And this book is just an encouragement and maybe, a, you know, just something to a motivator. I've had, if I've had any comment about this book, people have said it convicted me. I haven't been praying like I should. I didn't necessarily write it for that, but more, more for encouragement. But tonight I want to say this. If you will read this book, I've probably got ten with me. But if you would read the book, you can probably read it in an hour. I will give it to you, all right? If, all you've got to do is come up to me or my wife and just say, I will read that book and I'll, I'll give it to you. I just want to get the word out. It needs to be updated anyway. I need to put some more updated illustrations in it. All right, turn with me to Colossians, the book of Colossians. We've been in Galatians a lot this week. Every night we've looked at Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. I just wonder tonight if you folks have got the fruit of the Spirit memorized by now. We've been preaching on it so much. Let's see if you can say it, all right? Say it with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Yeah, and that's the fruit of the Spirit that should be flowing out of our lives. And what I'm preaching tonight really takes from Wednesday night on and, and what I preached this morning and wraps it all up in one package how can this take place and the answer is what I'm going to be preaching tonight die to self we've got to die to self in order for the Spirit of God to really fill us and produce that fruit and in order for Jesus to be able to live his life through us and so that's what I want to preach about and I saw this illustration one time you know talk about Jesus living his life through us I brought this glove and, you know, this glove, it's a, it's a good glove. It's got a thumb and four fingers. It doesn't have any holes in it. This is a good glove. It really is. But you know what? It can't do anything. <laughs> it can't do anything. And you know what Jesus said about you and me? He said, without me, ye can do nothing. <laughs> nothing. And this glove cannot do anything. Well, you know, it could sit on one of those chairs. I could take it down there and sit it on a chair. And it could do that, and that's about all some Christians do, is they come and sit on the pew, get up and go home, and that's their service, that's all they, that's all they do. And I thank God for people that even do that in a day when you can't get anybody to come to church. But, but you know, there's so much more to that. But my friend, if I put my hand in this glove, <laughs> now what can it do? <laughs> it can do anything my hand can do. It can do anything that my brain tells it to do. Because it's, there's another power operating inside of this glove, and that's exactly what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to die to self, get out of the, get out of the way. Some of you sailors might say, clear the deck <laughs> and let Jesus come through and, and, and live his life through us. Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1. If you're there, say amen. 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 I like amens. I really do. They, they help a preacher out. Colossians chapter 1. Let's stand together. We'll read one verse, and then we'll let you be seated tonight. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice those words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I used to read that and I, I thought, yeah, I've got Christ in me. Thank God Jesus came into my heart and I'm on my way to glory. And you know, it does mean that. It, it does have that meaning. But I think it means more than that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, Jesus Christ living his life through you. It's the only hope this old world has to see the glory of God, to see the glory of Jesus Christ. There are some people out there, they're not coming to church. They're not going to read their Bible. Somebody, they need to see Jesus in somebody that they come in contact with. I'm talking about Walmart. <laughs> I'm talking about the gas station, the grocery store, wherever you might go. People need to see Jesus. They need to know there's something different about us. And, and when we hand them that gospel tract or we put in a word for the Lord, there ought to be some, some power behind that, a supernatural power of Jesus working through us. You may be seated tonight, and I'd like for you to look at chapter number 3. And this is a great chapter here, one of the greatest, Colossians chapter number 3. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Brother Sousley and I, we could take turns tonight preaching on that one verse and probably go to midnight. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I don't know if I ever met anybody like that. But I've sure met a lot of people who are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. I mean, all they've got on their mind is this world, the things of this world. And the Lord said, set your affection on things above. Now, I want you to notice verse number 3. It says, for ye are dead. Yeah, it's talking to you as a believer, as a Christian. Ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. <laughs> That's a great verse. Ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, verse 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray you'd help me as I preach tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen my voice. I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill my heart with your love. I don't want to get up here and preach without the love of God in my heart. I don't want to be like sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And Lord, I, I pray you'd give me the joy of the Lord as I preach your word tonight. And I pray that you'd give these dear people, Lord, these ones, you look out, Lord, you know that, folks, there's some people, they've never missed a service. They've been here for every service of this revival. And others have been here for most of them. And, Lord, I pray tonight that you would give them ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. I pray, Lord, that lives would be changed tonight. I pray some people would leave this room tonight never to be the same again. I know I'm asking a lot, Lord, for a little 30 or 40 minute sermon, but I pray, God, that it would be more than just a sermon, more than just a message. 
I pray it would be a truth coming from the Word of God uh, into the hearts of God's people, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, it would never be forgotten and that you would do a great work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, when the Bible says, ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God, the question is, when did you die? If you're dead, when did you die? And the answer is, according to the Scriptures, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're saved, when He died on that cross, you died. We're identified with Jesus Christ. In the eyes of God, when He looked down and saw Jesus on that cross, He saw every believer. He saw us trusting in Him. And when God looks at us, He sees us as being dead. When Christ died, we died. We're identified with Jesus. That's what the Bible is saying. We're identified with Him. That's tonight is the one reason why you are going to heaven. It's not because you're good enough. There ain't nobody good enough to get into heaven. Nothing shall enter that city that will defile it, Revelation says. And my friend, we're all still sinners. We, we may be saved by grace, but we haven't received that sinless perfection we'll have one day in heaven. And so the only reason we're going is because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. When we put our faith in Jesus, we're identified. And when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sins anymore. He sees the righteousness of His own Son, Jesus Christ. And that's the righteousness that will get us into heaven and only the righteousness. Nothing short of that will get you into heaven. When He died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he came out of the grave, we came out of the grave. When he ascended, we ascended. That's what the Bible says. The Bible actually says in Ephesians 2 that right now we are sitting in heavenly places with Christ. In the eyes of God, we are. <laughs> you know, God doesn't live in time. God doesn't live in the past or the present or the future. God, he lives in eternity. He inhabits eternity. And you know, when he appears, the Bible says, Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And so we're identified with Christ. Now, that may be a little bit deep for some. That may be a little hard to understand. And you stay with me tonight. We got some young boys over here, two young guys sitting there in their blue shirts looking sharp. And I want you guys to stay with me, all right? We got some girls back here, some younger young ladies. And I hope I'm not going over your head, but I, I think I'll get down where you can understand me here in just a minute. But uh, I just wanted to lay the foundation there. Jesus really wants to live his life through us, but something's got to happen. We've got to get out of the way so he can do that. The Bible talks a lot about the flesh. The Bible talks about the flesh, and it's nothing good. Nothing good about the flesh. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. The flesh profiteth nothing what it says that's what Jesus said the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh you see <laughs> the spirit of God lives inside you if you're a believer the spirit of God lives inside you but you still got this old flesh and there's a wrestling match the flesh wants to pull you one way and the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in the ways of God it's almost like a tug of war going on sometime and that's what this verse says the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. I, I had that, that body. I had your mind. I still want to keep it. But the Spirit of God says, no, you're under new ownership now. You're bought with a price. You're a, you're a follower of Jesus. You're a child of God. 
And no, go, go the way of God, and the Spirit tries to lead us. The Bible says these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the thing that ye would. And it's so true, we cannot do the thing that we would. We sit in church, and we hear a message, and we say, yes, that's right, I see it, I need to do that, that's what I need to do, but we don't do it. How many times is it just a good intention and it does not become an action? It does not become a part of our life. We sit there and we say, that's right. I need to read my Bible more. I need to get up in the morning and read the Bible and pray. But we don't do it because the flesh is too much in control. Oh, I know. I see it. I see it. I need to hand out gospel tracts everywhere I go. I need to have a gospel tract ready to hand it people to people and, and be a witness for the Lord. I see that, but then... We don't get around to doing it because the flesh is in control. And so this old flesh, we've got to die to self, my, my friend. We've just got to die to self. And we've got to come to the place where we realize that. There was a great preacher in the past named A.W. Tozer. And he made so many great statements. He said, you can have a personal revival. If nobody else has revival, you can have revival. In your own soul, in your own spirit, you can have a revival. But he said, number one, here's what you have to do. Get thoroughly dissatisfied with yourself. <laughs> Amen. You know, that's the problem today. Everybody's so satisfied with where they are. I mean, you may get a little stirred up, but really, you don't want to leave your comfort zone. Amen. That's right. He said, A.W. Tozer said, complacency. This was 80 years ago. Complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress, complacency. He said the content soul is a stagnant soul. <laughs> Think about that. The content soul, you say, well, Brother Epley, the Bible says be content. The Bible says we ought to be content. Yes, with food and raiment and the things of this world. Don't always be wanting a new car. Don't always be wanting a new wardrobe. Don't always be wishing for a better job. Be content. Amen. But when it comes to spiritual things, the Apostle Paul, let it be known, he was not content. He wrote in the book of Philippians chapter 3, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the, the mark. Reminds me of that song, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every way, every day. Uh, and I like that verse. It says, though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. I, I want higher ground. And that's what Paul was saying. The writer of that song probably had that in mind. Paul said, I'm not content where I am. I want to be more like Jesus. Remember, he's the one that said that I may know him. You look at him and say, Paul, you preached all over the world and you're saying you want to know him. Yeah, I want to know him better than I do now. I want to know him uh, and the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. Oh, I want to know him. And it's so easy for us to get complacent and lose that desire and just be satisfied with where we are. But may the Lord help us not to, not to be, be that way. Now, here's the world's philosophy and you try to, you correct me if I'm wrong. Are you girls with me down there? You girls listening? All right. Now, I hope I'm not going over your head. These guys over here in the blue shirt, man, they're listening. God bless them. But now here's what the world says. And tell me if this doesn't strike a chord. 
Take care of yourself. Have self-confidence, self-empowerment, self-improvement, self-esteem, self-image, self-sufficient. That's the language of this world. And that, that guy that smiles real big on television, be a better version of yourself. And all the while, all this talk about self, all this promotion of self, and here's what the Word of God says, die to self, die to self. Jesus said it, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And Jesus also said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Amen. If it die, if, it, if we die to self, we'll bring forth much fruit. Not until then. We got to die to self. I preached that in West Virginia. I was preaching about all these things about self, and a man came up to me. He hadn't been saved long. He said, you know what I was thinking about while you were preaching about all the self, self, self? He said, what are people doing today? They're taking selfies. <laughs> he said, I remember People just took pictures of others. Now they're taking pictures of themselves. Well, I think that old boy had some. You can count on somebody from West Virginia. They, they'll tell you what they think. <laughs> but you know, self does not want to die. Self will do anything to stay alive. It really will. Self will allow you to serve. Hear me now. This is important. It, it will allow you to serve. Self will allow you to give. Self will allow you to witness. Self will allow you to do just about anything, but it must stay in control. Self wants to be in control. And one of the great old preachers named A.B. Simpson, if you can get something by him, read it. A.B. Simpson, he said, you know, even our sacrifices and our self-denials may be selfish. You know, I do believe some people serve to be noticed. Some people give to be noticed. Some people do something so they get their name in the bulletin. Some people may give so much so they can be recognized. And self is behind it all. And God gets no glory from that. God gets no glory from that. And I read, I read a, a, an illustration by... The great old preacher Lee Robertson, Dr. Lee Robertson, he was pastor in Chattanooga. We got to be with him, not in his church, but in other churches. We got to be with Lee Robertson. Here's a sword of the Lord from way back, I don't know how many years ago. But there's a picture of Lee Robertson on the front. He's in heaven now. Uh, but what a preacher he was. And I heard him several times. And I noticed that uh, almost every time when Lee Robertson would be preaching somewhere in that message, he would hold out, for some reason, a crooked finger. I don't know what happened to his finger, but he, he would hold out that finger, and he'd say, die to self, die to self, die to self. Told the story about a little woman in his church that came to him one day, and she stood there with her hands on her hips and said, somebody's sitting in my seat. She must have been an elderly lady because he said, I put my hand on her shoulder and said, you need to die to self. You need to die to self. He said, I guess that was Sunday morning. He said he went back Sunday night, and he said she wasn't in her place. I thought, oh, boy, I wonder if I ran her off. But no, he said, I started looking, 
around, and there up in the balcony, she sat with a great big smile on her face. She had died to self, gave up her seat. <laughs> Amen. But he told a story in this, and the reason I bring this is this story is almost unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. He said when he went to Chattanooga uh, and became pastor of the Highland Park Baptist Church, he said he had a Sunday school teacher there, and here's what he said. He said she was a dandy. That's the word he said. She was a dandy. He said she taught the teenage girls, and she took them through the Bible five times and said she just had a gift to teach. But he said she had a bad habit. <laughs> he said every now and then she would stand before those girls and she would say, Now, girls, I've taught you everything I know. You need to get another teacher. Somebody else needs to come and teach you. I've, got, I've gone as far as I can go. And one girl would speak up and say, No, no, you're the best teacher in the world. Nobody can teach like you. We need you. Please stay. Then all the other girls, about 20 girls, would join in and say, Please stay and be our teacher. And she would say, Well, all right. Self is all over that. And he said she did it not once, not twice, but every two or three months she'd do it again. I don't know how often it was, but he said it happened too many times. So one day she walked into his office and she said, Pastor, I guess you've been here and I've been trying to resign my class. He looked at her and he said, I've heard about that. He said, I'll, I'll accept your resignation. I'll find another teacher right away. Now here's exactly what he said. She got angry and exploded. She said, I thought you were like that. You're just what I thought you were. And she stormed out of that building and never came back. <laughs> he said, now here's, here's what he said. She said mean words that were not written in any Sunday school book. Never came back. But that's not the end of the story. He said he was in a, in a nursing home years after that, I guess decades after that. He's in a nursing home, and this little old lady walks up to him and says, Pastor Robertson, do you remember me? No, ma'am, I don't believe I do. She said, remember that Sunday school teacher? Went in your office and resigned and, and walked out of the church. He said, I, I remember that. She said, that was me. She said, I want you to know, I went, I've been in five churches, and I never taught another Sunday school class. And here's what she said. What I want you to see is, I threw my life away because I followed myself and my selfishness. I threw my life away. You know, God put her on the shelf. It's, there is such a thing as being put on the shelf where God takes his hand off and he does not use you. He will not use you for some reason. And for this woman, it was all about self. All about self. I still got more of these guys. I tell you, that somebody ought to give them a dollar. I tell you what, we'll give you a snow cone. They're sitting over here listening. These girls are down here listening. They look like they're as attentive as nuns uh, sitting down here. God bless them. <laughs> I don't know why that came to my mind. 
oh my a religious selfishness think about that a religious selfishness well I got all caught up in my illustration I don't know what I did with my note <laughs> they're here somewhere I want to tell you about a, a man that uh, one of the greatest men of the past really it was named George Mueller George Mueller and you know I, I mentioned his name around the country and people don't know who he is we ought to find out who some of these great great soldiers of the cross really were George Mueller was a man in Bristol England he got a burden for the orphans there were orphans all over there that's back in the days before all the social programs and you know the government taking care of people and and these orphans would just roam the streets and live on the streets and George Mueller got a burden and he built an orphanage and he brought them in and then he built another one altogether he built four big buildings to house orphans no mom and dad just to give them three meals a day clothing schooling raise them in that orphanage and God blessed him and you know what he never asked man for a penny he never did somebody would say Mr. Mueller what do you need and he would say God knows you just pray God will show you what we need and God worked miracles millions of dollars came to that man but it never stuck in his hands he always used it for God and he and he just helped those orphans and went on later in life in his 70s he went to the mission field and he wouldn't stay on one mission field he went from mission field to just encouraging missionaries, winning souls, getting the word of God out, and what a man he was. Somebody said to him one day, they said, Mr. Mueller, what, what's the secret? Why did God use you in such a mighty way? And you know, he could have said, I had great faith. He didn't say that. You know what he said? He said, there was a day when I died. There was a day when I died. I died to George Mueller. I died to his opinions. I died to his preferences, his tastes, his will. I died to the approval of the world or the, the criticism of the world. He said, I died to the approval or blame even of the brethren or friends. He died to self. And God took that man who died to self and and God used him, and Jesus lived his life through that man, what he accomplished. How many ever heard of Lester Roloff? Lester Roloff, what a man. How many ever heard of Bobby Robertson? Did you ever hear of Brother Bobby from North Carolina? Oh, I loved, I, I never met Lester Roloff, but I knew Bobby Robertson. What a man, what a country man, pastoring, I guess, 3,000 people in North Carolina, running 50 buses all around Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and God used Bobby Robertson. He was as country as cornbread. He took us out to eat one time. We were in his church, and he was sitting there at the table, and he said, I forgot my teeth. And his wife said, well, don't tell everybody about it. He took us out and, and led us out of the van, left the van running, shut the door, and locked the van. The van's sitting there, nobody in it, no way to get in it, and it's still running. And uh, 
Bobby Robertson, I, I remember at a Sword of the Lord conference, there's 3,000 people there in this auditorium packed out, and most of them preachers and preachers' families. And, and uh, Brother Curtis Hudson, I think at that time, said, Brother Bobby said, have you got a word? He walked up, you know, just closing out the service. It had been a great service. He just walked up and he said, don't forget about those mater sandwiches. <laughs> they, they had tomato sandwiches out in the tent after it was over. I mean, just that kind of a man. And yet God's power was all over that man. That, can you imagine? Can you imagine a man pastoring 3,000 people and just as country as he could be? But you know what? He died to self. I heard him tell about when he died to self. He went through a time in his life where he had a heart attack and he had a nervous breakdown. I know pre preachers are not supposed to have nervous breakdowns. I know that. What I preached last night, <laughs> be careful for nothing. But he did. Whether you're supposed to or not, he did. And he had some deacons rise up against him. And all this, he's in the hospital, a sick man, and some people are leaving the church and going out for greener pastures and, and all of that and all this turmoil going on in his life and in his church. And one man said to him, when he did get back on his feet, he's very weak, one man said, why don't you leave, Brother Bobby? Why don't you leave? Your work is done here. He said, oh, how that hurt. How that hurt. The reason he didn't leave is God didn't tell him to leave. He said things got cold. He said our services, nobody was getting saved. I mean, he told me this one time. He said people were not getting saved, and he said there was just a coldness over the congregation. He said, we just, I just kept praying. I just kept trying to be faithful. And then he said it like this. Like only Bobby Robert could, Robertson could say it. He said, but one Sunday, he said God busted through. That's how he said it. He said God busted through. And he said the Spirit of God started moving in that place. Souls started getting saved. Life came back into that place. The church grew and grew and grew and grew. Brother, I wonder how many pastors have left when the going got tough and the going got rough and maybe some other people were leaving and somebody might say, why don't you leave? But if they'd stayed, maybe they'd have seen the day when God busted through. I tell you, God works in his own timetable. He's not in a hurry. He doesn't work by your schedule or my schedule. But when he gets ready to do something, brother, he does it. And, then, and he got ready to do something at Gospel Light Baptist Church. And that's when the buses started rolling and rolling and rolling. They went up to 20 and 30 and 40. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine. 50 buses going out picking up boys and girls. They had a teenage church with 700 teenagers, most of them, you know, public school teenagers that would get on those buses and come to that church. Well, Bobby Robertson, that wasn't even in my notes, <laughs> but Bobby Robertson was riding along with Lester Roloff, and boy, there's another great man of God. And as they rode along, he, Brother Bobby had him in for a meeting, and he, he kind of poked fun at, Brother Lester Roloff, you know, kind of said something in a joking way and, you know, maybe a little bit of an insult or something, just in humor. And Brother Roloff didn't say anything. They just rode on. 
Well, Brother Bobby got worried and thought, I wonder if I've hurt his feelings. And so they, they were driving along, and he looked over, and he said, he said, Brother Roloff, he said, I didn't hurt you, did I, with what I said? And here's what Lester Roloff said. He said, Brother Bobby, he said, if you hurt me, it's my fault because I'm supposed to be dead, and you can't hurt a dead man. Now, brother, I'm going to say that again because some of you went right over your head, but listen now. He said, he said, Brother Bobby, if you hurt me, it's my fault because I'm supposed to be dead, and you can't hurt a dead man. You know what? That one statement would solve all of our church splits, all of these problems where somebody on this side of the church won't speak to somebody on this side of the church, all these people walking around with a chip on their shoulder. You know, if you got a chip on your shoulder, it means you got a blockhead, right? But that one thing, we have our church growth conferences and we have you know, how to resolve conflicts and have sessions on that and all that. That one statement, my friend, takes care of it all. If you hurt me, it's my fault. I'm supposed to be dead. You can't hurt a dead man. Here's what it means to be dead to self. When you're forgotten or neglected and you don't hurt. You're forgotten or you're neglected, but you don't hurt with the insult, but your heart is still happy. That's dying to self. When your advice is disregarded and your opinions may even be ridiculed and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart and you take it all in patient, loving silence, that is dying to self. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation. Boy, have you ever been with somebody? <laughs> they love the sound of their own voice. <laughs> and they love to tell about themselves. But that person needs to die to self. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or record your own good works or itch for praise after an accomplishment. Now listen to this. When you can truly love to be unknown, that's dying to self. Wow. I don't know if I'm there, Brother Sousley. To love to be unknown. Somebody said one time, there's no telling what God could do through a church if nobody cared who got the credit. If nobody cared who got the credit. You know, you're sound, man. I appreciate him. He's just up there doing his job, doing it right. And he said to me one night, maybe Wednesday night, he said, I just want to be invisible. He said, as long, as long as there's no problems, he said, I, I don't want anybody to notice me. And that is true. The only time anybody notices a sound man is when something goes wrong. Then they all look up that way, you know. But he said, I just want to be invisible. Oh, if we could all have that, that attitude. <laughs> when you can take correction, when you can submit inwardly as well as outwardly with no rebellion and no resentment rising up in your heart, my friend, you're dying to self. You're dying to self. Some missionaries were on a boat, and the captain of that boat was about to let them off on the, what used to be the, the Fiji Islands, used to be called the Cannibal Islands. They were inhabited by cannibals, vicious people. And the captain of the boat said to these missionaries, James Calvert and his men, 
He said, I don't know why you want to go to this island. They'll kill you. They're cannibals there. If we let you off on this island, they will kill you. And James Calvert looked at him and said, Sir, we died before we came here. Let's bow our heads tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. My friend, are you dead to self? I know it's a constant battle, but there needs to be that initial time when you die to self. And then, of course, Paul said, I die daily. Are you dead to self tonight? Are you dead? Do you need a lot of attention? Are you easily offended? Do you think everybody needs to uh, know what you think? Everybody needs, needs to know your opinion about everything. Do you secretly crave attention? Secretly, you wouldn't come out and say it, but you want people to notice you. and You want people to applaud you and recognize you. Oh, my friend, we need to die to self. Give me a church full of dead people in this way. People dead to self, and there's no limit to what Jesus Christ can do with that church. There's no limit to the impact it will make on a community. A church full of people dead to self. A marriage, a marriage where the husband and wife are dead to self. You talk about a happy marriage where they just live to make the other one happy and I pray tonight, Lord, that you'd take this message and use it. Lord, I pray it would not be forgotten. Please, do what I cannot do. Oh, I wish so much I was a better preacher. I wish I could preach like old Charles Spurgeon must have preached or or D.L. Moody. But I can't, Lord. All I can do is just get up and tell what's on my heart and do the best I can. But, Lord, I find in the Bible where you used a donkey... I find where you used a raven. I find, Lord, where you used little things. David's little sling and that rock, Lord, and Gideon's little army, and yet you used them. Your power got in that. And I pray you'd take this message tonight, Lord. Let it not be forgotten. Help us to realize tonight I've got to die to self. We look in the mirror at at our own worst enemy, ourselves. And Lord, I know you don't want us to go through life hating ourselves, hating our life. No, just like you said, deny, deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow you. Oh, Lord, tonight, do a work in every heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I'd like to do 